Hey, thanks for joining us today at this week's episode of the Apartment Academy podcast, the multifamily industry's only operations-focused podcast and your institute of higher NOI. I am your host, the Dean of the Apartment Academy, Daniel Cunningham, and today is actually part two of our guest lecturer series with Jennifer Stachokas. Uh, Jennifer came on with us and had so much to say about her experience starting a property management company with Western Wealth um, that we broke it up into two pieces. Um, if you haven't listened to the first part, you want to hear the first part, it talks about getting a, a management company spun up from scratch. This is part two where we talk about the technologies that Jennifer put into place to, um, to optimize operations and really create a best in breed management company. So without further ado, here's part two with Jennifer. There's been a lot of technology introduced. This, the, the industry really has come a long ways in terms of embracing. Um, still probably a slow adopter in general. There's a lot of things that still yet to come. But talk a bit about, um, first of all, when you're what the key pieces of technology you need to have in place. First of all, what do you have to get right right away? Um, then what becomes key strategically to, to get in place so that you can operate efficiently? And then we'll talk about what we think is coming up in the future that's going to be important. So let's start with initially, what 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 are the key pieces of technology that any management company needs to get right uh, at the outset? So, I mean, right out of the gate, you've got to get your property management software right. Um, and that can be whatever your decision is, right? Depending on the size of your organization is going to depend on the decision that you make. But what is really critical is that you have the right team or the right person in place that can manage that that property management software and really the key component to that is the integrations that are going to be required so to me in building a tech stack over my career i have always taken the approach of the best of breed that i absolutely love new technology in the space uh, but the caveat to that is that the new technology has to solve a problem that i'm experiencing in the business in order to move forward with a pilot uh, but when you do go that best of breed route, you have to make sure that you have the person in your systems and technology team at the table before you're launching and committing to those technologies to understand how they're going to work together, how it's going to impact your workflow for your onsite teams, and what type of challenges you're going to face. So that's the critical piece. Um, from a technology perspective, you have to have your applicant screening. Uh, in my mind, you have to have your CRM ready right out of the gate. So especially now as we're going into a more challenging leasing environment, uh, during COVID, it's like apartments were flying off the shelf and now it's becoming a little more challenging. So making sure that you have your CRM in place, you're holding your teams account accountable to manage their queue, to do their follow-up and to continue to nurture that lead. And then we supplement that kind of future more nice to have but great to have technology is we supplement that with artificial intelligence as well as our lead nurturing automation that we have in place so we're constantly touching those customers at touch points where we can figure out when we're going to close them or move them forward in the process we see artificial intelligence jennifer are you talking about bots you're talking about yeah can you expand on that a little what does that mean yeah, absolutely. So from the AI perspective, we've been actively using uh, chatbots as well as we've been piloting some, some various voice bots uh, within the space. 
and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So you have to be open to change, open to feedback. Um, another avenue that we're in the process of piloting right now on five of our communities that have the highest delinquency problems is an AI uh, collections um, platform that we've been working on. And so when you think about delinquency and the assistant manager role, you know, the most tension that happens is when they have to reach out to residents that are past due. And so taking some of that friction and some of that tension and automating that, um, our hope is that we're going to see delinquency decrease um, even, even more so than it was prior to the manual effort that we were putting towards that. So it can automate through text message, uh, through email, and then I think eventually through voice as well. And it's, I can log into the dashboard and see the communication that's happening. And it's pretty impressive. Like the minute a text gets sent out about a past due balance, you'll see that residents are communicating and wanting to understand what the balance is, how they can pay, if there's a payment plan or anything that we can offer to them to get them um, back in good standing. Ah, oh, that's very interesting. So the old model of you gotta have somebody dedicated making, you know, 50 phone calls a day, send it. Now that a lot of that's being, that make tons, makes tons of sense. It, it, what, what's been the downside of that experience so far? Is there any part of that, that that hasn't worked well? That sounds like a brilliant, a brilliant strategy. Yeah, to me, it was kind of a no brainer, right? When I was talking to the founder of the company, I think the downside to it, and this is with any technology that you can roll out, is it's one more system that the onsite teams need to manage. And that's where you just have to get people in a routine and a rhythm of what their day-to-day -day looks like. So the assistant manager understands that rent collections is of you know top priority. So that means they need to now log into that dashboard. So they're logging into their property management software to see where they sit with their delinquency, looking at their individual accounts, logging into the dashboard for collections and replying to those text messages or those emails that the renters are sending back. Uh, but that's actually saving a lot of time instead of picking up the phone or knocking on doors. If they can have that instant communication in the medium that the resident wants. So again, meeting the resident where they want to be. Um, we found that to be very successful. Uh, when we did log in, of course, some of the people that have high balances, uh, they're actually opting out of the text messages because they're trying to avoid avoid the situation. <laughs> but that's going to be a whole different group of clientele and the path that we're taking with them versus the ones that maybe just truly needed the reminder um, or just had a, a legitimate question and have every intention of paying. Uh, well, I, I love that idea. Um, uh, thanks for sharing that. It's the first time that I've, I've, I've learned about that company. Um, so you talked, I want to just rewind just a little bit to the PMS system, just um, a decision. Um, with, without without necessarily giving an endorsement one way or the other, what, how does one make the decision about what PMS system is right for you? I heard from you one thing very clearly, which is you, 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 you take a best of breed approach. So I know that, that flexible integrations, the ability to integrate a f integration friendly company is probably number one for you. Um, what else do people need to think about when pick, when, when choosing a PMS system? Absolutely. So I think the main determination at our company, because we are an investment company that has a property management company within it, 
uh, the decision was we needed to make sure that the investment side of the business could also be supported by the property management software. So we had that fluid integration from the investment side as well as the property management side. Um, so if you know, it could be different if you're starting a third party property management company, the criteria that you're utilizing to select your PMS may be different than if you're an investment company that's looking to bring management in-house. And so you have a couple different stakeholders within my organization. It's not just my decision to make on the PMS because there's other stakeholders that have a vested interest in it as well. Um, is there a, um, do you think there are strong differentiators on the PMS, between PMS platforms with respect to usability? Like people to be, do, you need, do you think people need to be mindful of how user-friendly the interface is? 100%. And so I think that's the decision, for instance, uh, the PMS that we chose, I, I do think it's best of breed on the accounting side um, of the day-to-day -day ops. Uh, but there are some limitations, I think, to some of the other add-on services that they have. And so that gave us the flexibility to go with a best of breed for our CRM or go with a best of breed for business intelligence uh, that we thought was going to be better suited for the needs of our company. And that allowed us the flexibility to still have that really strong accounting software, um, but then allow us to have this really easy CRM to use allow us to have a super flexible business intelligence platform that can be customized, um, that maybe some of the larger PMSs, uh, they just don't have that level of flexibility um, that you can when you have these best of breed products. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so thank you for that. So so we heard PMS system, we heard the CRM that goes along with that, which need, which can be also a best of breed, need not be bundled in, although most PMS systems have some version of that. Um, uh, you just talked about a BI platform, um, uh, which is, I think, a growing, burgeoning um, sector in the business of so these kind of these third party BI platforms. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what those do for you? Absolutely. So I start my day in the BI platform. Um, to me, I'm looking at different dashboards. So we have a couple custom dashboards that we've been working on um, that have to that are basically replacing some of the manual reporting we were doing. So that's just an easy place to take time off of the on-site teams and I can still see that information all in one spot. Um, but I start my day looking at the operations dashboard. I'm looking at our service request and make ready dashboard, um, as well as our delinquency dashboard. And then one of the other tools that we have within the dashboard that I absolutely love is our marketing funnel. And so if we have a property that has some challenges, we can basically back into the entire funnel of what's needed to generate. So if we need to have 40 move-ins in the next eight weeks, I have an input that I can put what my aspiration is or where I need to get to. And then I can see the actuals, the conversions that we've been having the whole way from the lead down to the lease. And so I can see what the actuals have been and then I can really input my goals or my aspirations for the property to see what is that incremental amount of leads that I need to generate in addition to what I have historically been generating within that time frame, And so for us, that's a really powerful tool for the marketing team to be able to use and see. I ran one yesterday, I was going into a meeting and I ran one yesterday and for the goal that we had set for the property, we really were in line. We didn't need to generate additional leads 
to maintain the occupancy that we have because it's looking at how many move-ins and move-outs you have um, and then looking at your historical traffic over that time frame and then what the conversions of the team are. And then we know the components too. So maybe if you're at a troubled asset, maybe your conversions haven't been as high, but you've made a switch in the team. So now you know that your aspiration is that your, your conversions are going to be higher because you have the right people in the right seat. And so it's very powerful information that the marketing team can utilize. And then the pricing team can also utilize to see, okay, are we generating enough traffic and enough demand for the price that we're pushing on those units? Fascinating. Um, I can understand why that was so valuable to you and one of the reasons you selected one right out of the gate. So um, we haven't heard, and I, I know you haven't because you mentioned it, we haven't heard about um, your revenue management software that's oftentimes bundled in the PMS, but there are other best of breed. You can choose that there. Um, anything else that out of the gate is that forms the Stachokis technology stack? <laughs> Let's see. Revenue management was critical. And even though I mentioned we didn't price internally, I knew the importance of having that right out of the gate. Um, you know, making sure that you have a collections provider that can help you on the back end. We talked about screening. Uh, one of the most important things, too, is making sure you get your websites right and make sure that you have all of your marketing agreements negotiated in place. And so the website is really critical, and, and I always say it's the hub of all of your marketing efforts. So the first piece that you have to spend the time and attention on is the website and then finding ways to drive more traffic to that website. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We, you, we just had somebody here at the Academy who was talking about uh, the, the, the power of their websites to drive traffic. I, I had assumed that, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, the online listing systems, ILSs were, were still driving a lot of traffic and Craigslist and all those sorts of things, apartments.com. And they're like, no, it's, um, it's our websites. We, we, we think a lot about SEO. Um, and we want to be one of the first websites that come up when they type, you know, apartments in Dallas or whatever. Um, similar strategy you're finding, Jennifer, on your end? So we've got a real mix. Um, I'm a firm believer that it's really hard to rank for apartments in Dallas, Texas, um, for you to show up as the top listing. It's very difficult. Apartments.com, Apartmentless, Zillow, you know, they've got the lock on that placement. So to, to our strategy, we look at, and really it's analytics-based. You have to live and die by the analytics. Um, that you're looking at. So you have to make sure that the data in is good so the data out can be equally as good. So we're looking at the long game of, okay, let's utilize the ILSs that are performing and converting for us the highest uh, to get that broad reach. And then we're utilizing website, PPC, and surprisingly, when I look at our analytics, our Google My Business pages are really highly, highly producing. So it's very specific when people are searching it's probably because they've driven by um, or maybe they've been displayed an ad, something along those lines where they're actually getting back to your Google page. Um, or maybe it's a map search that they're doing. But we are finding the Google searches, the property website, uh, when we implement PPC. Uh, we only implement PPC when we, we have a large um, exposure because sometimes I've found in my career that people overspend in marketing. They generate more leads than they would ever need. And that's why going back to the funnel discussion we had is really looking at what is that, that sweet spot for the amount of leads that I need to generate based on the conversions that I have to get the move-ins I need to hit my target goal. 
And so I don't want to generate two or threefold in leads for a property because that's more busy, busy work for them that's never going to convert into leases that they need. So I think there needs to be that strategic approach. And I think, you know, the future of ILS, because to me, there's still very much space for ILS. And when I look at our reports, um, we have one provider in particular that's been converting extremely well. And so we actually do their boost or lift product um, to enhance that when we need those additional set of eyes. But what I found is with the subscriptions is we need to be able to sit at the computer and dial up or dial down the spend. It doesn't need to be a flat, this is what you get for the month because I don't always need that for the month. Um, I need to be able to say, I need, more, I need more leads right now, and I want to pay a little bit more this month, but next month, I'm not at a place where I need it. And so I think that's really gonna be the future of how the ILS will stay relevant, um, is being able to have those levers that smart marketers can actually utilize. Um, I, that's another, I think of, of all the areas of of innovation in our industry, certainly the marketing front has been one of the most interesting ones to watch how that's evolved from, I mean, you and I were still, you know, we still remember the magazines and the listings and, uh, and now, uh, some of the AI stuff that's happening, really, really cool things. So that's your core platform. Now let's talk about, um, once you've got those things right, what kind of technology are, are you looking at to sort of optimize operations? What's, what would be next? What are you looking at now? And what are, you, what are you looking to hope to see in the future will get better uh, that you can start considering seriously that might be in its, in its infancy at the moment? Yeah, I think the, the most recent pilots that we've done had been with our lead nurturing through automation. Um, that was highly successful. So we did a pilot on three properties um, and we just saw the conversions on that traffic that they were able to nurture for us and then converting those into tours and then ultimately to leases was a huge hit. And so we rolled that out portfolio-wide. And that was something um, that really was a huge success on the marketing side of the business for us. Uh, we've been dabbling in um, some voice bots with the AI side of things. It works for some properties, maybe not so much for others. And you really just need to monitor because as I mentioned, sometimes as marketers, we end up overspending for what we need. And so really filling the void, you know, the voice spot can be great for a property that gets a lot of after hours calls or is an extremely busy property and has a lot of overflow that can't be answered. So in the past, maybe the call centers were handling that, but maybe in the future, the voice spots can. So really looking at that. Um, and then from technology on the operation side, one thing that we went all in on um, and it wasn't our top priority, but once we made it a priority, we really went all in is with lease insurance and providing that zero deposit solution to our properties. And really, in my mind, that's the future. Um, some jurisdictions, you know, you, you can't charge a security deposit anymore. Um, none of the jurisdictions that I'm in are at that point, but we know that that could be the future. And also, how can we really mitigate the risk of the properties as it relates to bad debt. And so having some lease insurance, as well as partnering with your renter's insurance company that can provide some form of insurance per unit, I think has been really critical for us. And as we look to centralize some of those functions to make sure that we're hitting those in the right timelines 
and in the right order for coverage to really mitigate the risk for our properties is critical. So having somebody that's filing all of those claims through our community maintenance fee, uh, where we have coverage per unit, and then also looking at the lease insurance, um, being able to file claims for damage to the apartment, uh, maybe some, some lost rent um, that can be covered, it really allows us to take care of some of that bad debt that's sitting at the properties. Yeah, yeah. It was there, there are a lot of different flavors of that kind of product. Um, I think you just mentioned a couple things that, that were important to you. Was there anything else you'd share um, to consider when looking at it, since you just went through this? Is there anything else to consider um, when choosing kind of a, a lease type insurance product? Yeah, so we rolled, gosh, we've been a, a little over a year now where we rolled the entire portfolio. Um, but to us, it's again, making sure you align yourself with the right partner and making sure the integration is going to work. Understanding, I think the most important thing is understanding the claims process and designating somebody within your organization to manage that from beginning to end as much as possible. Because what happens is we continue to roll out more technology on the properties and we expect that the manager is going to embrace and be able to do all of these things. And it's, you know, being on site today is totally different than I was on site 23 years ago. Like you mentioned, we, we got the books at the grocery store. I found my first apartment in the classified ads of the newspaper. Um, times have changed and there's so much technology that can make us more efficient. But if we're just expecting the on-site teams to implement that technology, we're really doing them a disservice because the main focus of their role is to interface with the residents to keep customer service at a high, ensure that their service requests get managed, that they have a great first impression upon move-in, and that we're really building a sense of community. And if we try and layer too much technology and make them responsible for it, it really can can overwhelm our teams. Right. That was the the another system that you were talking the complaint you were talking about earlier, which which the benefit of the benefit of best of breed approaches, you you have the best technology in your hands that should ultimately serve you the best. The downside is, you know, you have to cut. There's a couple different logins you've got to manage. Yeah, I was going to say a great thing too that's really been helpful in, in organizations that I've worked at before. We didn't have single sign-on because it is an investment that the company makes to have single sign-on, and that was something that we did early out of the gate because we knew as a lean company, uh, we were just hiring. IT support as we started seeing those ticket numbers rise. And so, you know, in past organizations, some of the highest amount of tickets would come from password resets. And so if you can do single sign-on, <laughs> you can alleviate a lot of those concerns and allow users to see all of the systems and technology that they have on one web page where they're logging in. Really important. Uh, you know, in my other world over at Leonardo, we only have about I'd say 15% of our clients have implemented SSO, um, and it's. I, I agree with you. I think it's. It just it makes things so much easier. And and about 70% of the tickets that Leonardo gets um, on help desk, they're password reset tickets. It's people, that's, you know, it's there's even though there's a password reset function, so um, you end up providing a better experience for everybody if you adopt SSO. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, all right. Anything else we're, we're 
running short on time for, for uh, episode two. Uh, talk about any, anything else that we haven't talked about on the operations side that you're, that you're considering, desiring, or anything in the future that you're, you're looking forward to. I think the biggest thing to talk about with tech is, you know, being open to new ideas. Um, one thing I always say, so two things I say is that technology has to solve a problem that your business is encountering. You don't just want to chase the shiny new penny. Um, you don't want to roll out technology for the sake of rolling out technology. Um, and the other thing to consider is when I look at my tech stack, it goes on to two pages. So it's pretty extensive. So if I'm going to add a new technology in, I need to give way for something to go away. So what is that new technology going to replace? Because you can only focus your attention on so many things and you have to be able to shed some of the old stuff that maybe isn't serving you anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 whenever possible, that's sometimes though you're replacing, you know, pen and paper processes, which aren't on your aren't on your stack list. But uh, but yeah, um, it's a it's a balance between um, efficiency and um, being overburdened with you know too many things to have to manage. Yeah. Um, okay. And it, and so, um, is there anything on the horizon that's, uh, you hear being talked about that you think would be influential in the industry in the years to come on the technology side? Let's see. I think I already talked about the collections AI that we've been, uh, demoing. I think we're one of the first companies to do that. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot of talk around smart homes and Wi-Fi and doing bulk Wi-Fi at communities. Um, we're certainly seeing that. Uh, the smart home's a little tough, right? Because you you don't... We're still debating about bulk, bulk Wi-Fi. We still, like, this is still a thing. I thought that was deployed everywhere by now. No. Still a thing. And smart home, you know, I think people are really nervous about the technology becoming extinct. Um, how quickly, you know, finding the right provider that can stay up with the times and investing in software as, if, as opposed to investing in hardware. Yeah, there can be some, you, it, it's a big investment in, in hardware that if you run into some functional obsolescence, you're going to be bummed out. Um, yeah, great point. All right, I was going to say the thing on the horizon, I think that everybody's talking about, and we're certainly um, actively working on is, you know, talking about technology and talking about, you know, the people side of it, but what tasks can we centralize that maybe can provide the most value to operations. So what are those tasks that we can take off of the on-site teams, put into a centralized role from a corporate or regional office perspective that drive the most value and free up the time for the on-site teams to be able to focus more on the residents and customer service. And I think that's a lot of the conversation that people are having. Um, we're focusing first on more of the admin tasks but there are competitors and companies out there focusing on leasing first and others that are focusing on maintenance first. We've just put our resources first on the administrative side of things that we think can truly drive value. And then we'll start working on maintenance and working on leasing. How about the, the accounting part, Jennifer? Is, is, that, is that generally being centralized these days? Are we still processing invoices on sites and coding them by hand and and sending them up to the corporate level. So a lot of those accounting slash admin functions are what we're focusing on first. So we have 
digitized the invoicing process where it's a, an interface that we utilize. The managers log in, they code the invoice, it you know automatically goes through the approval process depending on the dollar amount, and then it gets to accounting. Uh, trying to cut out some of the middlemen in that to streamline that process as well. And more technology. Yeah, reduce errors, right? The more errors you can reduce, the more streamlined your accounting process can be, the quicker you can get your financials done and make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we went through a, a similar process. I remember that was one of the biggest, uh, I think, improvements in the lives of our, of our on-site people was to... To take uh, to take that process, the, the the PO, the invoicing, the coding, all that, and to to get that in a in a digital format, so it all goes to some central PO box. It was all scanned, and so oh, that was a big step forward. I remember that. Yeah. Um, this well, I think I, I think we have this has been the definition of jamming, you know, twenty pounds of sugar into a ten pound bag, Jennifer. So. Um, I, we probably could talk for hours and, and, and lots of nuggets still to share, but this has been really great. I think folks listening today and to the, what will, I guess will become the, uh, episode one of two, um, have really learned a lot today about, you know, getting, getting a management company off the ground, but, but talking about all the things, hearing about all the things you think about and have gone through and have adopted to really create the, the a best of breed management company. Um, it's been, it's going to be really great for folks. So I, I, I thank you for coming on today and sharing everything and continued success, amazing growth there at Western wealth. Um, and, uh, we, uh, we very grateful for you coming on today and sharing all this. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you so much. It was a ton of fun. Thank you for joining us at this week's episode of the apartment Academy podcast. The Apartment Academy is a production of Leonardo 24 seven, the industry's leader in multifamily operations and maintenance software. At Apartment Academy, we realize the hard work that goes into property management and the stress that comes along with it. Leonardo 24-7 takes the guesswork out of your team's day-to-day by providing customized daily guidance on tasks that need to be done, guaranteeing consistent operations across your entire portfolio. To learn more, visit www.leonardo247.com today.